Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 48 of the Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie, and alongside me, we did add one more person like we've been teasing the past few weeks. Uh, I do have, of course, as always, David Howman and Brandon Clements, but our fourth co-host of the podcast, it is none other than Chris Holling, of course, is a BTB writer. Uh, you've heard him before on the roundtable. You've heard him on this podcast as a guest, but now he is a full fledged member which we are so happy that you're a part of this chris and we're happy to have you back on on your own merit on your own accord we didn't have to go and find you uh and and drag you back to the us of a but talk about uh your trip in sweden because i think everybody was really interested to see what was going on on social media what you were up to but then also to talk about just a brief overview of your career up to this point what you're going to be doing um and then also you know you as a writer on btb yeah yeah so um I'm kind of new to the BTB scene. I joined, I think, less than a year ago. Um, I connected through RJ through my Instagram account called at uh, Dallas Cowboy Squad. It's a pretty big uh, social media network where I post news about the Cowboys and kind of blogged about them on there. Me and RJ started to go on our live streams every Sunday, and then he reached out to me about joining Blogging the Boys, and I was super happy to do that. And since then, it's been a blast. I've been writing, and um, now I'm super excited to be on the writer's block with you guys. You know, I loved listening to it when uh, when uh, Jess was still here as a co-host, and uh, now, you know, I feel honored to be able to stay step in and be one of the four co one of the four co-hosts here with a great group of guys. Um, so Sweden was fun. Uh, it was beautiful up there. It was a fun time. Um, I went to Denmark a little bit. I went to Copenhagen. That was beautiful. I got to kind of take that whole Scandinavian tour minus Norway. Um, however, it did kind of suck with the whole time difference because I was about six hours ahead the whole time. So whenever anything fun was happening with the Cowboys, with training camp, it was like nine, like 10 PM. And I was like, man, I'm just trying to sleep, <laughs> but you know, I got to stay up and, you know, um, I grind these posts out, which is why I wasn't able to come on this podcast the last couple of weeks. Cause you know, we normally record around 8 PM, um, it, it, um, around 8 PM our time. And that would have been around, 2 3 a.m. in Sweden so it just didn't work out but I'm really happy to be here now and I'm really happy to talk about the Cowboys uh, I did get to do the Barbenheimer uh, double feature which we talked about nice. a couple episodes ago um, it was fun it was really fun I took my sisters to go see Barbie and then about three hours later I went with my Swedish guy friends to go see Oppenheimer and uh, it was really fun. It was great. I really enjoyed both of them. Uh, B1, you need to also hop on the wave and uh, and uh, go give it a try. I know I've been listening, and uh, and uh, B2 and David have been pushing for you to do it. I think that you should go and do it. It's awesome. I'm a huge Christopher Nolan like nerd. I love all his movies. So, I mean, I was really excited to see Oppenheimer, and it didn't disappoint at all. Killian Murphy just killed it, and the rest of the 
casted as well. So, yeah, I mean, it was fun. I'm happy to be back, though. I'm happy to be in the correct time zone with all my friends and, you know, all the sports news and everything. And I'm excited to kind of get going with this podcast and see where it takes us. Well, I know all of us here, we we had big FOMO. We kept seeing all the stuff going on. I know Brandon uh, B, B1 was talking about, you know, he wishes that he was there, that like we were seeing you all over the place and that we were wanting to know the stories behind everything. So I'm happy we got a little taste of it. How I many for you? Did you wish you were along Chris's adventure and that he, yeah, I mean, we didn't get the invite, you know, so I mean, that's kind of disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we all need to go all together next time, just the four of us. Um, I think that's what we got to do next time. But uh, I think it's it, it kind of lined up nicely for Chris coming back sp- specifically today because also the Cowboys got Luke Spoonmaker back. Their four horsemen are set back together, and now we've got our four horsemen, and we're ready to go too. So it just, the stars really aligned there. I love it. I, I was going to make the allude to the comment, and just I can always trust Hammond to uh, be on the same wavelength with that. Uh, so, Brandon, if you don't want to talk about Sweden anymore – uh, we're going to get to the Cowboys conversation because we do have a lot to talk about. And I'll start with you first. Uh, we have some headlines to go through as we do every week. And the biggest one kind of coming out on Monday was that we found out that the Cowboys made the decision to part with Tristan Viscaino uh, as he was one of the kickers on the roster, of course, competing on Saturday. Things didn't really go as well. And also with him throughout camp, um, he went 22 of 35 in throughout the eight padded practices and that was of course according to Todd Archer of ESPN which of course now leaves Brandon Aubrey as the sole kicker so Brandon as Brandon to Brandon to Brandon uh, this is what we were looking for and what we were hoping for but of course we wish Tristan uh, nothing but the best but this was seemingly a move that kind of had to be made after things didn't really go as planned and maybe this opens up the door for a potential kicker to come in through free agency. Yeah, I, you know, of course, as a fellow Brandon, I was very excited that he's uh, he's, he's taking his next step in his uh, his career to potentially be playing on a, on a regular season roster for the Dallas Cowboys. I know we're a little ways away from that. We got a few preseason games coming up. And, you know, how I'm looking at the Brandon Aubrey situation is he made it through the first step where he's essentially, you know, he beat out Tristan Vizcaino at, to this point. Does that mean he has the gig at this point? No, obviously we're a far away away from that. We obviously dealt with the whole Jonathan Garibay, the Lareem Halaru, that whole situation last year, and obviously Brad Maher was our kicker until he got the yips in the postseason. So we've all we we've heard that a million times of the whole kicker situation. But on the bright side, I did see that Aubrey after the after the news was uh, out about Tristan Viscaino, he did uh, seven and nine he kicked today. So that's a, that's a much better percentage. The unfortunate part was he missed two out of his last three, and it wasn't like he was hitting them, you know, wide left or wide right. He was kind of spraying them wide left and wide right. So I'm like, at first, you know, when I look at kickers, if they're kicking it always wide right or wide wide left, sometimes that means you just got to move them to the different hash where they prefer it. That's just the way their draw is in there. It's like their golf swing. So it's like when when they kick the ball. So when he's kicking it kind of left and right, I'm like, you know, that kind of makes me a little bit nervous. But, you know, I will tell you, you know, who was not nervous about uh, about this whole Brandon Aubrey situation was uh, is, is Jerry Jones and uh, John Machota from The Athletic, who does a lot of great work. We've, we've you know, we've mentioned his name on multiple occasions. He's a good follow on, on social media covering the Cowboys. He, I mean, he got Jerry Jones to say not only were they co- uh, comfortable with Brandon Aubrey, they're very comfortable with with Jerry uh, with uh, with Brandon Aubrey as the, as the kicker. So. I'm 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 a little you know I mean that's Jerry Jones being the used car salesman that he is, 
And I think it's also it's it's a it's a business ta- it's a business ta- business tactic because why would you go out and say, oh my God, I have no confidence in this kicker? Because then guys like Crosby and and uh, Robbie Gold are like, oh dollar signs, hmm, desperate team, okay. And and I know Hallman, I you know we were in the chat before. I know exactly who you want, so I'll let you allude to that. He is on he is on my my short list as well. The guy's a heck of a kicker. He's a little bit longer in the tooth. But he's one of those guys where even if he's here for a year or two, he's a you know he he could be a good piece of the puzzle. I personally, as a Brandon, I want Brandon Aubrey to just keep doing well, and I love his story from Notre Dame at soccer to you know to where he is now. But I I know there's a kicker that I'm going to allude to to Holman to, to finish up with that I know he wants on the team like right now. Brandon kind of you know stole my thunder, but yeah, I mean Robbie Gold is out there. He's available. Even Mason Crosby, he's. You know, he's got a con- prior connection with Mike McCarthy. They knew each other well in Green Bay all those years together. And, I mean, there's other guys out there that are available to you. It doesn't have to just be one of those guys, but there's other veteran options out there. Um, I know Aiden Davis also from Blogging the Boys, he would be ecstatic if they signed Cameron Dicker, the former kicker out of, out of Texas, and go ahead and give him that one there. Um but, I mean, these are guys that are somewhat, at least to a degree, known commodities. Robbie Gold is a known commodity. You know exactly what he gives you. And, um, I, I mean, I totally understand if Robbie Gold doesn't want to come in and have to do training camp and have to, you know, be jogging and working in the weight room until he absolutely has to. And so I understand if they're just waiting on him to for when he's ready. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this kicking competition is almost going exactly like it did a year ago. And they they cut Tristan almost a year to the day when they when they got rid of Jonathan Jarabay. And I understand that like Tristan was never really considered to be the front runner for the job. And you know they they brought in Brandon Aubrey for that role. Um, so it's a little bit different in the dynamic, but it's just it's really giving me PTSD. And the fact that you know now Aubrey's the only kicker on the roster, and he's still you know hasn't really taken control. I understand it's been one day, but seven of nine and. And like Brandon was saying, the misses just kind of going all over the place doesn't inspire confidence in me. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling about this? I'm 100% on the same train as you are. I think I've wrote like three articles about why I want Robbie Gold to be the kicker of the Dallas Cowboys. You know, he he hasn't missed a single kick in his entire playoff career, if I'm correct. And that's the kind of guy we need. I understand that he's 38 and he's really getting there in age and you know he's not the long-term answer but this is a team that needs to win right now with this whole nfc being wide open with how talented our roster is we got guys to pay we don't know who we're going to lose we don't know who we're going to be able to retain so we need to focus on the right now we need somebody who we can rely on right now and i think that that best choice at the moment is robbie gold and then you know maybe you go into the offseason and maybe you invest you know higher draft capital maybe in a kicker for your future after this season but i think right now we need robbie gold on the team and you mentioned uh howman like the and i think everybody's talked about too the postseason success of robbie gold too i mean that's where the cowboys ultimately want to go and if if you have the guy who has made every single kick in his postseason career why not bring him on the team and i do think um some comments i tweeted out with trey wingo from P, uh, pro football network um he recently did an interview with robbie gold and he talked about why hasn't he signed with the team? What sort of situation is he looking for? And he did say, like, I've had a lot of time to entertain some deals, have had conversations with some people. So 
maybe that is the Cowboys. He didn't say specifically, but he said, you know, the furthest, uh, the furthest that this goes on, the better chance I have in making the best for me, uh, the best scenario and make the Hall of Fame ultimately. So the guy's looking for kind of stamping his his career on a Hall of Fame resume. I believe he has uh, a few more points, I believe 49 points to get to sort of an all time type mark uh, in his career. So I think he's trying to shoot for that. But he did mention, he said, I also know that the price tag has to be right for me to play. And we just haven't found that team yet that's willing to pay that respectable number and a team that I think can win a Super Bowl. And to me, I, I look at that and I say, well, it's tough because if you want the money, sometimes that's usually a team that's not really having Super Bowl aspirations or they're not thinking Super Bowl window right now. They have a lot of draft or uh, financial capital. Like you look at the Bears. Um, of course, that's the team he kind of comes from. They had a lot of capital and people don't really consider them to be a Super Bowl contender. It might be a dark horse. But I think that if he wants to join a Super Bowl team, there might not be a lot of money to go around, which is why I think when you look at somebody like a Malik Hooker and the deal that he got, people look at that and say, well, you know, why not give that money to somebody like a Robbie Gold? So we could talk about that a little bit later. But does anybody, I'll open this up to you guys. Do any of those comments really concern you, whether it's the financial aspect or is it sort of like, listen, the Cowboys have one of the best selling tools where you're kicking indoors, which is something I think he would want to do. And not only that, but it's a win-now team that could probably get him to the Super Bowl a lot faster than some other teams. Yeah, I mean, I think Robbie – I mean, Robbie Gold is definitely the – you know, if if there's anybody out there as a veteran, I think that's the guy you want. And obviously he wants to win. He wants to win Super Bowls just like everybody else. So I think the Cowboys, from that perspective, you alluded to the indoor situation – Every kicker wants to play indoors. Like, who wants to be a kicker for the Buffalo Bills in December? I don't think any kicker signing up for that. I don't care who you are. But they're speaking of the Bears. There is a uh, there is a Chicago Bear kicker who's actually the backup to Cairo Santos that uh, I just want to point out because uh, you know I am a Syracuse a Syracuse guy myself. So uh, Syracuse Orange all I knew the way. This, this was going. <laughs> Andre Schmidt. Andre Schmidt was a he's a Lou Groza, Lou Groza guy. Like the guy's a heck of a kicker. And that's and and then and not only just Andre Schmidt, but you. Also, even if, if Brandon Aubrey falters in any way, you know, during this during this preseason, what the Cowboys are going to be doing is not every not every. I don't think anybody's carrying two kickers these days. Most kick, most teams are not doing you know a field goal kicker and an on you know a, a, you know a kickoff guy. Like I don't, they're not going to do that anymore. A lot of teams don't do that. So most teams are carrying one kicker. So if there if there's another kicker who's had a really good preseason, that might be another. Uh, that might be somebody to look into. And I'm kind of hoping maybe in a way Andre Schmidt maybe makes his way over here. You know that's kind of a pipe dream, but. That's that's another market that the Cowboys have to, to look into. Even if you know if Brandon Aubrey falters in any way, yes, the easiest choice is obviously bringing in the veteran Robbie Gold. But there might be another kicker that we're not even talking about right now that the, that Bones Fossil's got an eye on. That he's like, okay, he's in a competition with so and so, whatever whatever team it is. If that kicker does well enough. Bones might make a call and say, hey, we want to get this guy on the team. So it's not only just what's on the roster now or free agents out there. It's also who who else could be on. You know, we always look at you always talk about cuts when when you get down to cut day. You're always like, oh, my God, if this guy gets cut, the Cowboys got to scoop him up. That's that's kind of, you know, you have to think of that in the in the field goal department where, you know, if a kicker falls that, you, you know, you're like, oh, he's he's the guy that, you know, the Cowboys could use. It's a possibility, but the easiest answer here is Brandon Aubrey. Just he just crushes it in preseason. He does what Brandon's doing, just crush things, and and he's uh, he, you know he makes it. He makes a nice uh, a nice roster spot for the Cowboys this year, and the kicker position is what is where it should be. So we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, I think it's interesting how Robbie Gold said 
you know, he's he's right now he's kind of thinking about what's the next spot that's going to get him closer to being in the Hall of Fame. You know, just this past weekend, the Cowboys put two players in the Hall of Fame. Great point. I mean, they have tons of Hall of Famers. I mean, you, you look at all the players that they that, that have played for the Cowboys and worn the star, and it's just Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. Why not bring Robbie Gold into Dallas? Already talked about, you know, being able to play inside. And by the way, he's going to be scoring a lot of points just because this offense is going to be firing on all cylinders. Just from PATs alone, let alone, let alone field goals, I mean, he's going to be in a good spot to really rack up those total points numbers. I agree 100%. And, I mean, th- I mean, like, listening to everything that he says he wants, I don't see how the Cowboys don't fit that bill. I mean, maybe the financial aspect won't be there. I don't know what the Cowboys are offering or what they would be willing to offer. But, I mean, if you're just talking about the fit, talking about, you know, um, being indoors, talking about trying to compete and win now, and just, you know, like the whole brand of being a Cowboy, like, I think it makes the most sense for him. So, hopefully the Cowboys can find a good financial spot to bring him on. I wanted to find the scoring aspect like I brought up. Uh, he, This is from the same interview. Quote, I'm one season away from being in the top five of all time in scoring in the National Football League. Uh, I'm 49 points away from 2,000 points. So there's a lot for me to play for. So why not have that solidified indoors at AT&T Stadium? The graphic comes across the big giant uh, TV uh, at, at center field. And I think that would be pretty cool. And I'm sure the Cowboys would play that up too. Not to mention, too, another 49ers kicker, current 49ers kicker that's doing really well. Jake Moody, uh, seemingly the Cowboys targeted him in the draft and they couldn't get him uh, kicking. I think he said uh, 60 yarders, something like that uh, in training camp right now. So they probably don't feel too good about that. But I do think that one way or another, something will happen. There's too much riding on the season for the Cowboys to go into this year with an uncertainty at kicker again. They went through this last year, so they kind of. At least in my opinion, we talked about this last week. I have confidence in the fact that they've been through this already, so we know the roadmap. And it was only the first really full week of them going through the kicking process. I think Brandon Aubrey will take the Jacksonville game to see really what he has. And if it really doesn't go well, I think you're going to see a lot of kicking opportunities in that Jacksonville game. I mean, if people are expecting it to be 30-something points uh, because the offense is humming, it might be 30 points because Brandon Aubrey is just kicking a bunch of field goals. Um, So we'll see how that goes. But moving on to the second topic, speaking of people uh, making a comeback, uh, Luke Schoonmaker was officially activated off of the NFI list. The Cowboys' second-round pick uh, took part in his first padded practice after initially having a report of a setback uh, with his recovery with the foot injury. Foot injuries are, of course, always scary and dangerous to talk about. Um, but, Halman, I'll throw it to you first. As somebody that was on the tight end hype train uh, coming into the draft, does this get you excited for Schoonmaker to officially be back in the fold for the Cowboys' tight end room? And what does this mean for the Cowboys' tight ends moving forward? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really exciting um, more than anything just so that we can actually see what we've got in Scootmaker because there's, I think of all the draft picks this year, that's the one that has gotten the most criticism, the most debate. And then when he went on the NFI list, that just kind of ratcheted up. So I'm, I'm excited to get him get him out there. It, it doesn't sound like we know yet if he's going to be able to play in this first preseason game. Uh, Mike McCarthy likes to take things slow with guys coming back from injury, but um, I mean, in, in the very first few videos of him in practice, you can see what they loved about him. He just moves smoothly, especially for a guy of his size. He, you know, his player profile is very similar to Jake Ferguson as far as the style of, of, of play that he has. And But he was a much more fluid athlete, much faster guy. Uh, and that's what you really like to see, especially if you're talking about being able to use him as more of a receiving weapon. So 
Um, I think also just for this tight end group with how they're they're kind of leaning towards kind of a tight end by committee and wanting to get all these all these guys involved. I think the sooner you're able to get to, to get an idea of what you have in Schoonmaker, the sooner you're able to sort out how that rotation actually looks. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, honestly, I think that uh, me and uh, David were are kind of different on the whole drafting a tight end early in the draft. You know, we had that discussion a lot. I think me and uh, B1 kind of have more similar viewpoints to that. However, I'm still excited to see uh, Schoonmaker back, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, we did invest a second round pick in him. So I want to see him succeed. You know, I want to see what he brings to the table. And I do believe that he does bring some good traits to the table, his size, his fluidness, his ability. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what he has to offer. And I do think that it's going to make the tight end group a little more dangerous having him and then Jake Ferguson and then even Peyton Hendershot. I'm excited to see how they work out. And then the fourth horseman, uh, Sean McKeon, you know, I'm excited to see how it all uh, plays out for sure. Yeah, I'm. You know, I mean, Holly and you and I were we're on the same page. I mean, Holman, Holman. All right, we're not trying stuff. to make alliances here in, in the first no, episode no, with no. the four of us here. You know, <laughs> no, I feel like they're getting up on me. It's it's all it's all good fun. I mean, and here's the thing. To be fair, I had Luke Schoonmaker. I have my notes here. I'll have to I'll have to show you guys. I did have Luke Schoonmaker on my grades going into the draft as a late second, early third. So when the Cowboys got him right there, I was, I was actually, that was good value. So I do like the player I always have. And, you know, I know the plantar fasciitis, you know, that, that situations, obviously that can linger, but obviously all systems go according to our, uh, our friend, uh, David Gelkin. He, uh, he, he put that out there on, on social media today. And that, obviously it wasn't a full practice, but it was good to see him get some work in. I did see that he, uh, he was, I saw a highlight of him catching a nice pass, uh, you know, I think two or three passes in practice, uh, but so Twitter is really, you know, getting locked in on, on Schoonmaker. I'm just going to put it out there right now. And you know what? You can, you guys can burn me later for it. I don't care. I, I do think Jake Ferguson, I think t- to me, he's locked in as the tight end one at this point. Sorry, sorry Luke Schoonmaker. You're going to be number two. I think Jake Ferguson's going to have a monster season this year. And let's be honest, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, last time I checked, uh, Dalton Schultz, the last three seasons averaged close to 100 targets. So I'm thinking Jake Ferguson's going to take a big bulk of those uh, of those targets this year. I do think he's going to have a really good season. I think he's going to take over the role as the number one tight end for the Cowboys. And that's not a diss on Luke Schoonmaker because we've seen one-two punches with the Cowboys tight ends in recent years. So if you have a one-two uh, punch, and then obviously you got Hendershot in the background, and then you know my 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 new favorite tight end on the on the, on the roster right now is John Stevens Jr. He's a he's an interesting project. He's been looking good in camp. I, I think maybe for him we can hope we can stash him. I mean he's a former receiver from uh, Louisiana and then prior to that TCU. So I would like to see John Stevens Jr. as a guy that we can hopefully stash because I do feel like he's got a chance to be really good. As a, he shows a lot of explosiveness, but. Right now, I don't think there's room on the roster because, you know, a guy like Sean McEwen, I think it's either going to be, in my opinion, I think Sean McEwen, his spot on the on the roster is a little bit of a bubble at this point. I do think I do think the top three tight ends are locked in. You know, whatever order it comes out, it's going to be Hendershot, Ferguson, and Schoonmaker. I think I think we all can agree on that. So it, it's just a matter of if they're going to carry four or do they carry the fullback, uh, Lepke, we'll see what happens there. I mean, that's that he could play all he could play tight end as well so it's kind of he has a lot of versatility so it's going to be interesting to see how this whole tight end situation works out 
But I am happy Schoonmaker is back because the worst thing you can have for a rookie is a guy who's only getting mental reps. He's got to get out there and, and, and start working, you know, working, you know, working the, you know, the, the kinks out because you, you, there's no, there's no shape like football shape. So he needs to, you know, needs to get out there. And I, and it seems like coach McCarthy from his, his comments today, they're, they're essentially pushing, they're going to be pushing the envelope pretty quickly on him and getting him up to speed. And uh, hopefully he'll be ready to go uh, full go very, very soon. I'd like to mention if we're drawing lines in the sand, I'd also like to bring up that uh, when Howman and I did our mock draft on BTB, we, we took Sam Laporta in the first round. And then it comes out that they that the Cowboys were considering Sam Laporta in the first round. So I'd like to say that, you know, we were the first on that. Um, but but and just to double down on that, because I've been following like Lions training camp coverage and like every single day they keep saying like Sam Laporta is the real deal. He's already locked up the tight end one spot. He's going to get a lot of balls thrown his way this season. And I'm just, I'm just waiting for it. I am going to be like when, when the Cowboys play the Lions at the end of the season, if he ends up having a big game, I am just going to be intolerable the next week. <laughs> So get ready. It's going to be okay though because uh, Mozzie Smith is going to be dominating the trenches, and we're going to feel very happy with that. So, yeah, yeah I agree, Mozzie. <laughs> hey, here, by the way, uh, Musgrave for the Packers—he's—he's he's looking like a beast out there as well. So Luke Musgrave's another guy. I know, I know, you tight end gurus uh, in here—they, uh, you know, you, you guys liked him as well. So the hype train in Green Bay is uh, is fully on Luke uh, Musgrave at this point, but. I digress. I think the tight end room is it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun to watch who comes out of this. Uh, you know, you know, the, you know, as as the lead dog. I personally think at this point, I just I think I think Jake Jake Ferguson's the guy. And, and, I, and tell, tell someone tells me differently, he's the guy. I did have one hot take before you you mentioned of how the the tight end room is set. Me personally, I do not know if Peyton Hendershot is making the fifty three man roster. Now he could have a practice squad. Uh, designation, but I just, I, I have not seen as much buzz around him this year as it was last year. Um, there's been a lot of drops in, in camp. I, I think that there's been a lot of communication between him and Dak getting on the same page. And this is nothing against Hendershot as a person. I just, I'm looking at when other people are stepping up, we've talked about how many, you and I, you know, we're big Simi fans. Simi of course is having a, a few struggles himself. Jalen Brooks is now coming in and kind of taking uh, things in stride. So I think that there is opportunity for other people who we kind of had coming into training camp as sort of locks to be on the roster. John Stevens, as you mentioned, uh, Clements uh, beat B one that, you know, he's kind of stepped up in this role and he's kind of come out of nowhere the Cowboys have a lot of decisions to make when it comes to the 53-man roster. Mike McCarthy has talked about that there will be a lot of cuts to make. I'm just saying, I, I mentioned this earlier when Jess and I talked about the tight end room. I would not be shocked if Peyton Hendershot doesn't make the team. I don't know anything. I'm just looking at the way things are laying out right now. Um, it, it just doesn't seem to be as much buzz around him uh, right now. So I'm just throwing it out there. It could be a possibility. I'm not too sure, but I wouldn't be surprised. Who, who you got though? Who who would be who would be your guy that would take that spot? Is it John Stevens? Not John Stevens? Well, I Is just look. I, I look at then they'd have three tight ends between uh, Ferguson, Schoonmaker, McEwen, and then if they want to have Lipke on the team, I think that's where the fourth designation would be. I just think you know if if Schoonmaker goes on IR for whatever reason with his foot, if it keeps lingering, then of course Hendershot, I believe, is fully engulfed on being on the 53. But it's just. With McCarthy already talking about tough cuts having to be made, they clearly are willing to move on from Vizcaino. They he said that we had have had conversations. 
I just think that there are a few players that really have to play well in the preseason um, to kind of solidify, uh, you know, things. And again, Hendershot wasn't a draft capital pick. He was an undrafted free agent. So the Cowboys love to keep the draft picks. Unfortunately, he wasn't a draft pick. I'm just, like I said, I, I could see it as a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised um, given with what happened last year, but we'll move on. We got a lot more to talk about. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott, 5,000 yards. We'll, we'll stamp that for a future conversation. Um, I wanted to talk just very briefly before we get into our big discussion about Zach Martin. Of course, he's still not with the team. Things are not looking good with regards to negotiations. There's a lot of sort of uncertainty now. It seems like there's a little bit more digging in on both sides. Uh, he's upwards of over 500,000 yards and fines right now. I know that the Cowboys have a lot on the table with regards to other players that they need to sign. Clearly, they're willing to do ball with a lot of players who are in camp. So maybe if he was there, maybe the Cowboys would be more willing to have contract negotiations. I just think as it stands, where they are with their backups, haven't had a lot of confidence in players kind of stepping into Zach Martin's role. Matt Farniak has gotten some snaps there. He certainly looked the best. But of course, Josh Ball has has had his ups and downs. And then most recently today, they took Brock Hoffman and he took some snaps at right guard and he was the Cowboys sort of practice squad backup center last year. So uh, Chris, I'll throw it to you first. Your confidence level in Zach Martin being with the team week one, but then also your confidence level with the backups as it stands right now on the roster. My confidence level with him playing week one is pretty high. I would give it like, like, like I would honestly put it at about a nine or a 10. Like I, I really think that it's a matter of when, not if I think that it has to get done and, you know, Jerry can be stubborn and he can kind of be upset that he's not there and, you know, kind of do all the media talking. But at the end of the day, he has been the most valuable player on this roster pretty much since he was drafted. So it's it's really it's vital that he's there week one. It's vital that he's on this team in a year that so much is riding on this season. I can't remember having this high of expectations for a Cowboys team heading into the year as as uh, we do now. So I think it's going to happen. It has to happen. And the reason that's happened is because my confidence, if he's not there, is very low. So so you know it's. I'm not confident in the backups. I'm not confident really in a lot of our depth at the offensive line, really, you know, I'm not confident in the depth at the offensive line position in general and specifically at that right guard spot. It's, it's really huge that we have to get Zach Martin out there and I'm not worried about him being there. Now he doesn't have to play a snap until week one and he'll be the best offensive lineman on the field on both teams. So so, you know, when it gets done, it'll get done and it'll be great. I'm not that worried about it happening. And, you know, I I think it's going to get done. And and I'm excited for it to get done because he, he is our most valuable offensive player and, and might be the most valuable player on our team in general. So I don't know if I'd go as far as to say he's the most valuable player on the team, but he's definitely, like, in terms of just overall talent, like, easily top five. And I mean, he's, he's been the best guard in the NFL since he entered the NFL. And that's... I mean, that's a pretty significant thing because there's some other really great guards out there, and he's stayed consistent at that level. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they're going to work it out. Um, one thing that, that I was thinking about was so much of the emphasis with Mike McCarthy's changes on offense have been about centered around the pass protection, and he's he said that too. Is like it's built around pass protection. Receivers have talked about, like, we're focusing in on how many steps the quarterback is taking when he drops back. And like tying it to that, to and like the basis of that being 
he needs to get the ball out within a certain time frame or else Dak needs to start scrambling and go into the scramble mode. And it's built around, you know, taking some of the pressure off that offensive line. And so if that system works and Dak's getting the ball out quick, receivers are getting to their spots, um, maybe Jerry is looking at that and saying, well, hey, we don't necessarily need to have, you know, the great wall of Dallas. We just need to have guys that can last for, you know, one, one and a half seconds, two seconds. And, and that's enough time for Dak to get, to get into his drop, get the ball out. And maybe he's thinking, hey, we have an offense now where I don't have to spend all that money and I can, I can just wait Zach out. Um, you know, even if it means putting Josh ball out there, I, I hate to, you know, speak it into existence, especially with all, of, all the things that manifest on the show already. But, um, you know, I, I wonder if that's kind of where Jerry's mindset is, is just saying like, like, you know, we can wait this one out. He's, he doesn't have that kind of, of uh, negotiating power right now. Oh, Josh Ball talk? Oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, I respect it. I respect it, though. I mean, for me, if, if we had to put somebody in there, Matt Farniak, I think, is he's, you know, he's at the top of that list. I, I personally like TJ Bass out of Oregon. I think he's one of those guys that I look at the depth chart, and he's he's right behind Josh Ball on the depth chart. So I'm like, okay, all right. You know, it, it only, it's only going to take uh, Josh Ball being a turnstile at the preseason uh, for, like, the first, first quarter of the game. They'll realize TJ Bass is – is, is a better, more stout player. I just, it just scares me that, you know, I see the depth chart right now. Obviously the depth chart is a work in progress, but it is a little bit of a snapshot as to what the coaches are seeing right now, you know, so early on in training camp, right ahead of the, you know, the first preseason game. So they obviously they're seeing something in Josh ball that maybe I'm not seeing. So, you know, hopefully, and I wish the kid the best. I just, it's just an analysis. Uh, you know, I have nothing like, like Lori said, you know, it's like not a, it's not a personal thing. It's just, you know, from what I've seen, I'm just not impressed. I'm just, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, unfortunately it's like, you know, I, I said it last week, I think it was uh, Chaz green all over again. I just, you know, I have flashbacks of that and it still, it still pains me to see that. So luckily, luckily, you know, for the Cowboys, you know, there's, they have other great players that are on that line. So, you know, a guy, a guy like TJ Bass is somebody to look, look to, he's got good size. He's like 325 pounds. He's got good technique. He was a great starter. And, and Hellman, you know, you know, the pack, you know, the pack 12. So, you know, you know how, you know how things are on the pack 12 at Oregon. TJ Bass is a, he's he was one of the better players on that offensive line, which last time I checked was one of the better offensive lines in college football, at least at least from what I from what I saw. So a guy like him is somebody I would look for, you know, obviously look to see him take over if Zach Martin is not there. But my full expectation, just like Chris said a moment ago, is he's going to be there. He, he's you know, Zach Martin is too important to this team. This team's window for, you know, for winning the, the Lombardi. You know, this is it. We're in that window. And we, Jerry Jones just needs to back up the Brinks truck and give Zach whatever the heck he wants, obviously within reason, and get his get his butt back to camp and get him ready to go because Zach Martin is a very important piece. And I do agree. He's he, I do agree to a point where that whole one second, two second thing, you know, to get the ball out quick. I don't trust. I don't trust what's there right now. If Josh Ball is in that position for one to two seconds. So Zach Martin, Zach Martin needs to get back. We need to get him back. He needs to be on the, you know, he needs to be on the, you know, he needs to be there week one. And I think he will be, they'll get the deal done. It's just, they're all playing hardball. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about it. With, with all, with all of your, uh, how down you are on Josh Ball, which I get. And, you know, I, I understand he's, he's looked bad when he's played. How, how would you feel if I told you that back when he was coming out of high school, that Syracuse offered him a scholarship? 
Well, that doesn't say much because Syracuse was uh, has been has had issues at the offensive line department for a long time. <laughs> I mean, granted, we did the Cowboys. The Cowboys did sniff, you know, a Syracuse offensive lineman this past year, which he was actually a Canadian. So the so Syracuse Orange, for example, have they they're really good at, at getting guys from Canada to come down, and uh, he was one of the few like Canadian offensive linemen that turned out really good. So so the the history with Josh Ball, you know, that's fine. We may have offered it to him because hey, you know, they're just looking for guys that are big and you know and des- you know desperation can happen to these things. So you know, it's not a, you know it's not an indicative uh, you know nature to to Dino Babers as a recruiter. So you know, I, Josh Ball again, I don't I don't dislike the guy as a person. He's probably a nice guy. He's probably somebody you know you can hang out with and have a good time with. But you know, just as a player, I just I don't see NFL written out on him. He needs to go to the USFL or the XFL, and maybe maybe The Rock can help him out in the XFL. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Howman, uh, you bring the curveballs as always, trying to put people on skates. Uh, certainly, I did not know that. And uh, it's some good insight. I had for a moment. Yeah, no, I like it. But the one thing I just wanted to mention is I do think where things stand entering the first preseason game I think the Cowboys were hoping that somebody would kind of step up in this position to be sort of the backup or maybe if Zach Martin does hold out uh, to sort of be like the day one right guard. Uh, But I think everything is equal right now. It's an equal playing field. I think these preseason games and now it's only one less. So it's going to be three instead of four like it was a few years ago. Um, I think that it's going to be big for the Cowboys to figure out where things stand. And I wouldn't be shocked that, you know, they do only have one cutdown designation day, so they might keep everybody on the roster um, until that final cutdown day, which I believe might be August 29th. I I could be wrong on that. Um, But I do believe that the Cowboys will start making moves where then you're going to see the hierarchy and pecking order of maybe if TJ Bass stands out, then he'll start get first team reps or a Brock Hoffman. And he looked pretty good working with Tyler Biotish today in practice and he was getting in the face of Micah Parsons. So maybe there's a little bit of attitude with uh, the Hoffman on that. Um, but then the one thing I wanted to mention, Michael Galkin, uh, Michael Galkin did mention uh, with, of course, the Hall of Fame inductee uh, ceremony being this past weekend. He said six offensive linemen since 1970 have been named to the AP All-Pro first team six times out of their first nine seasons with Joe Thomas's induction today. Cowboys right guard Zach Martin is the only one not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame out of the list there. So clearly Zach Martin has, is on a Hall of Fame career trajectory, and I don't think the Cowboys want to be the team uh, that was known for trading Zach Martin away and also uh, just like the Angels don't want to be the team that traded away Shohei Otani too. So uh, baseball is not football, but the comparisons are alive and well. Uh, we're going to transition to our main topic for tonight. And, of course, we brought up originally the Malik Hooker contract. And I did want to talk about the secondary, where things stand. I know, Chris, uh, you were active on social media talking about that the Cowboys do have the best cornerback duo in the NFL, at least right now on paper. Um, it kind of brought up this idea. We didn't really talk about this when Jess and I were doing it, so I figured I'd open up the floor to you guys. And for a position that's called the secondary, the Cowboys have really made it a priority. Uh, to, yeah, thank you. Um, very nice, very nice. It's, it's crazy because it really has, yes, they've always made an emphasis on addressing the secondary, of course, signing Brandon Carr all those years ago. 
uh, trading up and drafting Morris Claiborne, of course, Terrence Newman. They've had a history of doing it, but recently they just haven't had a lot of success. Now you see, especially this year, they trade for Stephon Gilmore. They lock up Donovan Wilson to a three-year contract up to $24 million. They lock up Trayvon Diggs for five years for $97 million. And then now, of course, Malik Hooker, three years up to $24 million. What does this mean for all these contracts? Like somebody at least tell me, what does this mean to them about the secondary and where it stands for the Cowboys and what their confidence level is in all the players that they have? I think with the with the cornerback situation, I, I think it's one of those situations where it's kind of a hybrid approach. I think with with how the Cowboys have done it, they brought in they brought in a Stephon Gilmore, who's a proven veteran, and then obviously there's been a lot of draft capital over, over the last handful of years that have been you know been used for the position in that area of the team. So for me, it, it's it's been a high priority, like you like you alluded to, and, and to me. You know, we've seen the different contracts. We, Malik Hooker just got his contract. Donovan Wilson, you know, you know, back before, you know, before, you know, a few months back, he got his contract where a lot of people thought maybe he was going to be gone. So the priority is definitely at the position, and obviously Diggs. We obviously Diggs got the big money. The Cowboys are making it a priority, but I think the nice thing about the Cowboys secondary, it's a great mix of youth and vets. And I think that's the key success for this team. And it's not only just the secondary, but in the defense as a whole, there's a great mix of guys that have been in there long in the tooth, but there's a lot of young guys that are hungry. I I'm, you know, a guy like Eric Scott jr. Like he, to me, he could be this year's uh, Deron Bland for the Cowboys. Like he, He's going to, you know, a lot of people, and, and myself included, when the Cowboys drafted him in the sixth round and moved up to get him, and I'm like, okay, when I saw them move up, I'm like, okay, it's got to be, you know, it's got to be a good name, you know, and I didn't even, I honestly didn't know much about the kid. And watching him in camp, obviously they know something. Like this, this, this kid is, he's Eric Scott, for example. I'm looking at the depth chart. He's next to Stephon Gilmore on the depth chart. And he just, he's just getting started. It's a great point. So this, and that's, to me, that that says a lot. And, and a guy like Calvin Joseph and another guy like Nashawn Wright, they better watch out because, you know, Eric Scott's coming for that job. And and and, and the way things are shaping up, if a, if a good preseason happens, which I fully expect, you know, I, I want to see an Eric Scott interception. Maybe, you know, he can get, he can get at least one this preseason. I would love to see it. I think he, he he's, he's getting himself pretty locked in. And I know it's early. Let's see what happens in preseason. But early returns – He's already number two on that depth chart spot. Like, what does that tell you about what the Cowboys think of this kid? Uh, he, the sky's the limit for this kid. And and Deshaun Wright and, and Calvin Joseph, y'all better be careful because uh, this sixth rounder is taking that spot if you don't if you don't step your game up. I think them prioritizing the secondary the way that they have uh, really speaks volumes to how much they value Dan Quinn and how much they value his input right now at this moment because he's been very heavy in who he wants in that secondary and his kind of style and everything. And, and, you know, he's sticking around. So, you know, I mean, if you keep listening to him and you keep bringing these key defenders back, then he's going to want to keep coaching his guys, you know? So I think it's a big deal to bring them back. And I know I was on Twitter being kind of loud about, you know, the Cowboys having the best duo at the cornerback position. I'll go a step further. I think they have the best secondary in the NFL. I do. I mean, look across the entire NFL point. I mean, like point out a team that has, those three cornerbacks with with Diggs, Gilmore, and Bland, that caliber of a trio, and then having the safety room that they also have. Normally, it's one or the other. Normally, you have a great cornerback uh, room and kind of a so-so safety room. I know that neither 
Hooker, Curse, or Wilson are among like the best of the best at the safety position, but they're all three very, very, very above average guys. Like, like, like they all can make an impact right off the bat, and they are all very valuable to this team. And to have three of them, I just think we have so much depth at this secondary position right now. And I think that it's really the best secondary that I've been alive for in Dallas. And, you know, I mean, I know it's not, you know, like the secondary that like we had in the 90s with Deion Sanders and all that, but it's, I mean, it's a great secondary. And I'm, so excited to have him. And I think Gilmore is just such a huge addition. I think that his ability to be a, be a vet leader to these young guys. I mean, like just to be one's point, like I think that that's huge. And I think that that trade is so big, not just for Gilmore's impact on the field, but his veteran leadership, apparently, you know, he's apparently been very good with uh, Diggs and uh, being a mentor to him and uh, Diggs really being able to take up after him and see what he wants to do with his body, with his health and just like his and um, just his daily routine. So I think it's been a huge impact for sure to uh, bring uh, Gilmore into the secondary as well. Chris, well-spoken, but I do have to say there is one secondary in the NFL off the top of my head. I could be wrong here, but I think the Miami Dolphins, I know I know Ramsey's out for a little bit, but I think that combination of uh, Baylor Bear, Xavier Howard, and uh, and Jalen Ramsey along with Holland, I think that's a – that's a pretty good uh, group there. And then Cam Smith as well, the rookie that's, that's coming in. I think the Dolphins, and, and you know, I, I follow them enough because, you know, I live in upstate New York and there's a lot of Buffalo Bills fans up here. So the Dolphins are a team that people are sleeping on in the AFC. But that secondary, once once Ramsey gets back, that's, a, that's I would say they're probably one of the better ones. But I do agree. I think in the NFC for sure, no question about it to me. I think it's Cowboys secondary right now. I think it's just that combination of Gilmore and Diggs. And you even got a guy that no one's talking about, like a Jordan Lewis, just kind of sitting in the background, getting yeah. healthy. That like, that's that's crazy how how much talent that we have. And the and the other crazy part is we were all talking what uh, six eight months ago, all the injuries in the secondary, and we're all like, oh, here we're gonna get this guy off the street, you know, Xavier, uh, Xavier Rhodes. Let's bring him in. You know, no offense to that, you know, to Xavier Rhodes, he was good at one point, but he's you know obviously he is he was in the situation he was in because. He, you know, he's not exactly where he was as, as a high caliber player, you know, coming out of Florida State back in the day. But he, it, that's that's where we've come, and it's crazy to say that that the the cornerback position as a whole is an embarrassment of riches right now for the Dallas Cowboys. And just just in such a quick turn, just because of you know due to the trade, digs. Bland hitting well. Jordan Lewis is getting healthy. We got you know, and then we you know we got the the rookies that are looking good like Eric Scott. You know that's. I'm I'm ex- I'm excited for the cornerbacks this year and that secondary room obviously with the safeties as well it's it, it's going to be a lot of fun and, and I'm I'm looking forward to a, a great season on that defensive side. Yeah, this is I mean it's funny how you mentioned earlier that you know Brandon Carr and Morris Claiborne this is the secondary that that they envisioned when they brought those two guys in. Yeah, and because Brandon Carr was the veteran who had already proved what he could do on the field, Morris Claiborne was the young guy that everyone was buzzing about coming out of LSU. Um, and that's the kind of the dynamic they have with Trayvon Diggs. Obviously he's, he's not a rookie. He's played and he's shown what he can do, but you know, he's still very new to the position. He's new to the league. He's also new to the position. People always forget. He didn't switch to corner until he was already in college. So he's still very early on in his development. Um, and then Stefan Gilmore, of course, is the very seasoned vet. And, uh, you know, for me, when I whenever I think about Carr and Claiborne, I always go back to they were drafted 
uh, when Rob Ryan was the defensive coordinator. I hate to bring it up, bring him up because it, things didn't end so well, but he ran a very aggressive blitzing defense that ran a lot of press man coverage. A year later, they fire him. They bring in uh, Monty Kiffin for a year uh, and, and Rob Marinelli, who did the exact opposite. They, they hardly ever blitzed. They ran cover two zone all the time, and it did, did not fit those guys' talents. Now you've got Trayvon Diggs, who excels in, in bump and run man coverage. You've got Stefan Gilmore, who's been doing that his whole career. And you have Dan Quinn, who is not only crushing it as a defensive coordinator, but last year no other team ran more cover one than the Cowboys. And they did it. They led the league in cover one by a, a huge rate. They did it on like over 47% of all snaps. Like they, they are exactly uh, tailoring to their strengths of their roster to the secondary. And it, guys, it also helps that they have a really great pass rush that yeah. your quarterback doesn't have a whole lot of time to throw against them. So really a whole lot of things are kind of coming together and it's just, you know, beautiful synergy of the roster on defense between the secondary, the pass rush, the scheme, Dan Quinn, and the way that he's able to develop these guys. It's all come together really well for them. And not only that, but you do have a lot of players where you have a veteran, but then you have a young guy to kind of come up and learn from that veteran. I mean, you look at the secondary with Trayvon Diggs and, of course, the veteran Stephon Gilmore, but then you also have Deron Bland working with Jordan Lewis and vice versa, you know, if Bland's working with Stephon Gilmore as well. And then at the safety position, you have Marquise Bell, Donovan Wilson, and then Izzy McQuamu also with J. Ron Kerr. So you have this mix of veteran and youth where, you know, these contracts, you never know how it can go. You don't know if the negotiations are going to go well, and it's great to have, you know, Malik Hooker. You have Trayvon Diggs and Donovan Wilson all locked up, but you don't know what will happen with J. Ron Kirst. You know, he's really a, a really underrated player, an underrated safety in the NFL. He got paid once before. It didn't seem like that it was the number that he wanted. Maybe he wants a little bit more the second time around, and he ends up going to a different team in the offseason because he's in a contract year. You know, maybe he signs for the Cowboys, and then you keep that three-headed monster the same moving forward. And I do think that there's like you alluded to, Chris, there's the Dan Quinn effect where I think that it's no mistake why you're locking up all the defensive players right now because they know they're under Dan Quinn. Maybe they know something that we don't where Dan Quinn really does want to stick around a lot longer. But even if he does leave, at least you have all these pieces in place where then the next defensive coordinator, whether it's in the building or outside the building, you have to say, listen, these are the pieces that we have. They're not going anywhere. You need to come in and work with them. You can't just bring in your own guys and then kind of take everything apart. But if they want to, it's not like these contracts are holding them hostage for the next 10 years. You know, these are contracts that are three years. They can get out of them within the after two years if they really wanted to. So I think everything is lining up all in favor of the Cowboys. I did kind of want to break down where things stand with the cornerback and safety position before we get out of here. We might kind of preview the 53-man roster after the Jacksonville game next week, kind of as like a little teaser to that. Um, and I figured, you know, if we get one position group out of the way, that'll save us a lot more time to talk about a few more, depending on what happens in the game. But the Cowboys last year had six cornerbacks and five safeties after the initial 53-man run, 53-man uh, roster cut. Um, so we'll kind of keep those numbers in mind. So the cornerbacks that are currently on the team right now, there are a few players that I've kind of exclude, but these are sort of like the main names. You do have Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Gilmore, Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis, Eric Scott Jr., who we talked about, and of course, Nashawn Wright, <laughs> Kelvin Joseph, and the guy who's always forgotten because he's a special teams guy, but he is a cornerback on the depth chart, and that is C.J. Goodwin as well. And then, of course, for the safeties, you have J. Ron Curse, Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson, Izzy McQuamu, and then Mark Keese Bell. 
and then Wanye Thomas, and then Tyler Coyle. Those are the two guys as well behind them. So we'll start with the cornerback position. Out of all those names, can we agree that Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore, and Deron Bland are all the locks to make the 53-man roster? Absolutely. And then after that, I think where it gets a little tricky and you can kind of do a little bit of massage work because then you have Jordan Lewis, Eric Scott, and Sean Wright, Kelvin Joseph, and C.J. Goodwin. You already have three, and if you're going to get to that magic number six, if you have four left, or five rather, you can kind of designate Jordan Lewis to be put on IR if you really wanted to. You know, he's out for the majority of the season, and then you can, he can come back, get healthy. And then you have Eric Scott, Nashawn Wright, Kelvin Joseph, and C.J. Goodwin uh, that are the four remaining to pick those final three spots. So, uh, B1, I'll go to you. Out of those four between Scott, Wright, Joseph, and Goodwin, which are the two names that you think are locks uh, after the first three? Well, I'll say I'll say this. I think one of them is definitely a lock for me at this point, and I think Eric Scott's a lock. I think he's going to be on the roster this year. Um, the other part is a little it, – it's splitting hairs, but – I do. I guess I have to lean to Sean Wright. I think he's, you know, he's he's done he's done well enough at this point. And here's the thing: I'm a little I'm a little uh, wavering on that one because I'm not as confident. You, you put me on the spot with two. Uh, you know, I was definitely locked in for Eric Scott, but if I had to pick between you know the other three, I think Wright's that you know Wright is probably the guy. But watch out for Izzy McQuamo. He could be sliding over there. I think that's a guy that could easily be taken. You know, slide over to that position. And we're in a, we're in a spot where. A, re- a recent third round and second round pick, and, and and Joseph and Wright are both off the roster here pretty quick. So, if you know, if I had to go in another route, I would say Izzy McQuamu takes that spot. Well, if you were going to ask my opinion of it, I mean, I think that my two locks would definitely be Eric Scott Jr. would be the first one. And I'm actually going to go with the special teams ace and CJ Goodwin. I think his. I mean, I honestly think his impact is just so valuable on the special teams. And I'm not saying he's a better corner than uh, Wright or, you know, like any of those guys. I'm just saying I think that they value his special teams ability so much. He brings something that those other corners don't. I mean, I, I, I mean, honestly, like even I, I mean, like I think that Kelvin Joseph hasn't really made the impact on special teams that they had been hoping for. I mean, he's had some plays every now and then, but he's not really been that C.J. Goodwin factor in special teams all the time. So I think he really sticks out. So I think that C.J. Goodwin would be kind of my under the radar, I guess, lock that that uh, that would also complete that uh, secondary. It it pains me to say that I do think C.J. Goodwin is is not going to be making the roster this year. That's my uh, kind of bold prediction. Um, I, I just think. He's, he's the second oldest player on this team, and Mike McCarthy has talked a couple times this offseason about how they're really like valuing their youth, and they have a bunch of young guys, not only that are, that are young, but also that they rely on, and they really believe in that development. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the reason to move on from him, but at the same time, Nishan Wright has been playing a lot of special teams uh, since he's been with the Cowboys, and, and he's done pretty well. I mean, he, he has... He hasn't played as much as Goodwin, but he's played almost, you know, kind of in that same range as far as his usage, and he's shown that he can be relied on. Also, with Eric Scott Jr., I, mean, I think he's probably a lock at this point with how he's done in, in camp so far and the fact that they traded up to get him. Um, but, you know, when he was first drafted, a lot of the talk was that he's going to be able to contribute on special teams, and they really like what he's going to be able to do on special teams as a rookie. So, you kind of you you move up right to that special teams ace with Goodwin gone, and then Eric Scott Jr. He'll be a really good depth piece, but also someone that's going to get some action on special teams. Um, and then to to Brandon's point, also Izzy McQuamu has shown he can 
slide down to corner. So I think they'll, my guess is they're probably going to be going with just five corners because they know that they have some position flexibility with that safety room. And they feel good about Mukwamu, especially if that three-headed monster is out there. It's like, how else are you going to be able to get Mukwamu on the field? Well, if there's you know ever any issue, you can put, put him out there at corner and you now you can rely on him. And I think for the sake of this exercise, I put Mukwamu at safety as similar like the J. Ron Curse role where he's sort of a hybrid where he can cover a tight end, work the slot, kind of do a little bit of everything. But I think the numbers would play in favor of him being at safety. I, I agree. I think we can all agree that the fourth guy is an Eric Scott in this situation. If we want to put Jordan Lewis on IR, I do think that that helps the overall numbers. And these will carry into next week's exercise so we can kind of adjust when we when we take a look at it again when the final numbers are done. But if we take Lewis, put him on IR, put Eric Scott on, I, that leaves two final spots. I agree with Howman because I do think that Nashawn Wright has proven to be the better corner between him and Kelvin Joseph. Right now, he's getting a lot more snaps on the outside with the first team when Trayvon Diggs was injured. And yeah, there's been a lot of highlights going against Nashawn Wright, but that's because Stefan Gilmore was on the other side locking things down. So it's sort of a volume play where I think he hasn't looked that great, but I think that's because everything's being thrown in his way. So I think he's proven last year he stepped in, uh, in against Tennessee. He proved to be really good and shows some sort of sign of development. And then when it comes down to C.J. Goodwin and Kelvin Joseph, I would argue, Chris, against your one point, that I do think Kelvin Joseph has stepped up a little bit better in special teams. And I think that if they're both equally at that level with special teams, the better corner, just better overall corner, I think is just Kelvin Joseph. C.J. Goodwin has proven to be a liability. They really don't like him playing the cornerback position. You mentioned age as playing a factor against him as well, uh, Halman. So I do think that as it stands, it would be Diggs, Gilmore, Bland, Scott, right and then joseph as your corners with cj goodwin not making the roster if anybody really absolutely disagrees with me we can talk about it but i do think that just logic would say the youth factor and then believing in kelvin joseph mike mccarthy talked about as recently as i believe last week saying that he believes in kelvin joseph and his development i just think the writing is on the wall for goodwin to just be here and if injuries happen with a joseph or whoever you kind of keep him around um, and they could always bring him back on the practice squad you know they have the veteran designation as well but i just think as the 53 stands he's not going to be making it unfortunately yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I you know, it, it, I, as much as I like CJ Goodwin, it, he's he, you know, there's there's other guys on the roster that are that are younger. That so like you mentioned with the whole youth movement, like, like a guy like I mean, Calvin Joseph, I'm not as high on with him, and and Wright, you know, I think Wright could could also do it as well. So it, for me, I, I'm not I'm not really if you're gonna keep a guy like Cavante Turpin, which I think obviously I think we all agree that that's gonna happen. We can't have a bunch of specialists on the team. Like you can't take up that much of your your roster with a bunch of specialists. So if I have to go out go to that side of the fence where it's like okay, which specialist was on this team last year? That's probably not on the team next uh, this coming year. It's it's to me it's C.J. Goodwin. It's sad to see with with Goodwin because he has been so consistent and, yeah. and he's been such a great special teamer. And when McCarthy first came in and he brought in John Fossil, I mean, the special teams were horrible when, when they showed up and they put such an emphasis on special teams. But they've also done a good job of kind of cross-training their DBs to where, you know, Nashawn Wright, Kelvin Joseph, I mean, they, they liked their potential as to eventually become a starting corner, but they were also getting them a lot of reps on special teams. And I think just at this point, it, it makes sense, especially with Stephon Gilmore. You know he's going to be taking that spot out there. Um, and then you've got that kind of sort of a battle, although it's not really at slot because Jordan Lewis isn't actually practicing right now, but it's between him and Deron Bland for that top slot position. 
Um, so it makes sense to just kind of make that transition. Um, although I will say, you know, with Goodwin, uh, a lot of people were kind of making him a dark horse cut prediction last year, and then he ended up making it with not really any any real challenge or issue. So it, it could just be that they know him. He's a known commodity. They like him. Maybe he makes it, and we're just all completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe this comes down to Kelvin Joseph versus Eric Scott. You know, like maybe it's a case where, again, three preseason games have to be played. Kelvin Joseph, Kelvin Joseph is going to see a lot of snaps. And if they see that he's just absolutely not doing well as a corner, they might say, well, then we'll give those snaps to Eric Scott if we have to. And then we're more comfortable just keeping C.J. Goodwin as a proven special teams guy, even though he's a commodity, uh, you know, with regards to or um, he's a liability when it comes to being a corner, they just trust, you know, Scott more as a cornerback and then they just are just willing to move on. So I think as it stands, I think we'll go into this next week with those as our set cornerbacks and then we'll move on from there. And if the numbers don't really add up, we want to cut uh, Joseph and, and kind of put somebody else back on the roster. We'll kind of put an asterisk next to his name. But then for the safety position, I think it's pretty cut and dry. Like I said, there's five names that they kept last year. Again, doesn't have to be true this year, but it's just something we're going off of. You have J. Ron Curse, Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson. I think those are the three set in stone guys, just like it was for corner. You know, you just signed two of them. So I don't think that they're making any headlines here where they're going to cut one of them. And then J. Ron Curse is just too important to, I think, what the Cowboys want to do um, and certainly seems to be in, in good standing right now. Uh, can we all agree on that, that those are the three? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So then the final two, I think Izzy McQuamu, we're throwing his name in there. It's somebody that the Cowboys have talked about, Malik Hooker talked about on DallasCowboys.com with Nick Eatman and on the Storylines podcast. Uh, he said that he expects Izzy to take a big jump this year and somebody that will break out. Dan Quinn has talked about him as well, too. So I think he's our fourth guy. So that means that the final fifth spot is going to come down to Marquise Bell, Wanye Thomas, and Tyler Coyle. I think really the only two that are in conversation right now is Wanye Thomas and Marquise Bell. And I think originally it was just Marquise Bell. But Wanye Thomas has been getting a lot of buzz around training camp right now. A lot of people have been talking about how he's been stepping up, really doing well in absence of a Donovan Wilson. And he does play that sort of big-bodied role. He, he, uh, I think it was he hit John Stevens uh, really, really hard the other day and was sort of the big hit for training camp. So I think he's been bringing a lot of noise and it's just, you never know. I mean, Marquise Bell was battling a little injury today. He came back. Maybe it's between the two of them, and, you know, we'll see how it battles out. But does anybody have confidence in one or the other, or it's sort of maybe preseason and next week we'll know a little bit better about the two guys? I'm pretty confident in Marquise Bell. I, 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 I'm a big fan of his work. I think, you know, obviously the, the talk with J. Ron Curse earlier in the show where, you know, his contract is coming up. I know a lot of people are talking about Overshown, DeMar- DeMarvin Overshown, being maybe that potential potential guy to, to take that spot. But don't forget about Marquise Bell. If you go look at his highlights, he's got a lot he's got a lot to bring to the table. He's he he's a perfect in this in the box safety, that big nickel that the Cowboys love to run and and, and you know, stuff in the box with those those safeties. He's He's a he's a scheme fit for what Dan Quinn's looking for. He's a very athletic guy, and you know, and, and I I get he played at you know at a Florida A and M, which yeah, sure that wasn't you know that's not you know premier Power Five schools, but he actually opted his senior year to stay to stay at uh, at, at Florida A and M because he he was loyal to the program that gave him a shot, even though obviously the SEC schools were sniffing around. So that tells you the kind of player that he was coming out. So for me, like. If it, if it comes down to those two, I do like Thomas. I think he's one of those guys that 
it, it, he could make it interesting unless Bell just regresses completely and just falls off the face of the earth. There, there's, there's no chance for me to see him not on the roster come, uh, come fall. I think it's, it's entirely possible that they end up going with both Marquise Bell and Wanda Thomas and end up going a little lighter at corner, especially as we're having these conversations about like Nishan Wright, Calvin Joseph, CJ Goodwin, um, you know, if they can go, if they feel comfortable going light at corner, especially because, as we've mentioned, you know, Mukwamu can slide over to corner and they kind of probably feel confident there. Um, I mean, it, you know, Wanya Thomas has really been impressing. Uh, to Brandon's point, they also really like Marquise Bell. And, you know, I, I noticed last year in the preseason, um, you know, when Curse was when Curse was out and they were kind of putting Bell into his role as kind of that hybrid safety, a little bit of a linebacker role. Um, and that really fits his play style, having watched him at Florida A&M. Um, and, and to Brandon's point, I mean, it's no Syracuse. You know, it's not one of those top-tier programs, but he played really, really well in college, and he his skill set fits perfectly into that J. Ron Kirsch type of role. Obviously, the question is, can he perform at that level in that role against NFL talent? But just from a prototypical standpoint, he fits what they're trying to do. Um, and I, I just think – you know, if, if they're able to find a way to keep both of those guys, assuming they both keep pace with how they're doing right now in camp, I wouldn't really be shocked if they end up going really deep at safety because they've got guys there, they've got the numbers, and they've got guys that are showing up and performing every day. Whereas with corner, we're kind of talking about, like, you know, we know, like, the top four, and then after that we're like, okay, well, who else? Nobody's really stood out. Whereas the safeties, they're all standing out. So I think you reward whoever shows up and plays. I think it's going to be Bell, but I see your point. I think that um, if it's not Bell, it's because they view uh, that whole easy situation where he does bring some uh, flex over to that cornerback position. And if they decide to go more than just Bell, then um, then um, I see that that point as well. So, but um, honestly, I would go with Bell uh, as the guy who uh, they end up choosing for that fifth spot at the safety position. I think it's going to be an interesting conversation next week because I'm already getting giddy about trying to finalize the 53-man roster because I really don't I don't think you can do it justice until you see some action on the field when you start projecting things because you really do have to see how these guys perform. And if it's really just a liability on the field, you can kind of cross some names out. And I do not envy anybody in the front office who has to make these decisions. That's why we just do it on here and we don't get paid to do it. So it's just pro bono stuff which is totally fine too um but i think it's interesting that i i think it, there's a lot of the michael jackson effect in here i'm not talking about the singer i'm talking about the corner that the cowboys drafted a while back uh and it's yeah i mean you could go through terrence mitchell charvarius ward a lot of these guys that the cowboys brought in to be their guys they sent off they they cut and then all of a sudden now they're being premier players at their position at the next level with other teams so i do think that you know, Michael Jackson's playing really well with Seattle. He, he had a breakout year last year. Of course, Terrence Mitchell bounced around a little bit, but he has had some success. He's dealing with injury right now, I think, with the 49ers. But then, of course, Jarvarius Ward is one of the better corners in the NFL, probably top 15, top 20. So I think that the Cowboys want to make sure they protect all the young guys, which could make C.J. go in a liability like we talked about. But I do think that'll be an interesting conversation next week when we kind of break down the 53-man roster. A lot more punches, a lot more things will be flying our way, uh, a lot more arguments. But before we close out, we do have game week 
finally here. It's with an asterisk, you know, preseason. People don't really consider it to be uh, sort of any anything of value, but the, the viewership of, of NBC uh, with the Hall of Fame game would tell you otherwise with 6.3 million viewers uh, tuning in uh, more than the NBA playoffs uh, this past year. So I think that's pretty impressive. So I'll, I'll turn to you guys individually. We'll start with Howman, go to Clements, and then we'll close out with Chris uh, as what your sort of bold prediction might be, maybe a standout for the preseason game against Jacksonville on Saturday for the Cowboys. I think maybe it's not so bold, but Mozzie Smith is going to absolutely dominate. I think he, he's probably the one I'm most looking forward to seeing play and seeing him in action because he's just such a powerful dude. And now he, I mean, I know they've had pads on in practice, but now he gets to go actually out there and, and play a real game and has, you know, live snaps. And I think you're just going to see that strength pop on film. And I'm really excited to see him go out there and just do his thing. Yeah, I'm 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 like that too with Mozzie. I, I like that. I think for me, as you know, watching the preseason over time, I feel like it's you're you're really looking at your rookies and, and undrafted free agents. That's who you're looking for at this point. You already know what Dak's doing. He's not going to play. We that's 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 already been out there. So for me, it's looking at these rookies, evaluating them because yeah, they're in training camp. They're you know they're they're you know they're doing these they're doing the different drills. But until you get in there and actually start playing live, you know, having live reps against opponents. Uh, to me, it, that's where it's really going to kick off. And there's two guys for me. It's there's uh, TJ Bass. That's a guy that I like. I'm, I'm very high on. I know he was undrafted. He, I always thought he was going to be a. I thought he was a fifth, sixth rounders when I had him. So when he fell to the, you know, fell to the undrafted ranks and the Cowboys took, uh, picked him up, I was very happy about that. And then I mentioned him just a moment ago, Eric Scott. Like this guy came out of nowhere, in my opinion. I I knew about him, but I didn't know enough about him. So like when the Cowboys drafted him as early as they did and traded up to get him, I'm like, okay, they obviously know something that we don't. So that's that was my first thought. And obviously, what we've seen so far, we've seen the depth chart. We've talked about all that. He of all of all the players, like him, him and, and TJ Bass are guys that I'm really excited for. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with the running back position, but you know, and you know the whole Rico Doddle and, and Malik Davis talk. You know, we'll see what happens there. But you know, I, if I had to pick one in particular, I want to see an Eric Scott interception uh, this weekend. Yeah, my bold prediction is that my guy Jalen Brooks scores two touchdowns mm. in the first preseason game. That's my prediction. I'm so happy with how he's doing in uh, training camp. I remember we. Um, we were doing the live draft show on uh, the blogging the boys YouTube channel and uh, he got drafted with that seventh round pick and, uh, and uh, Brandon was trying to ask me, you know, like what I knew about him and I really couldn't give him a great detailed answer. Cause I was just too excited. I was, you know, just happy for him. And my phone was blowing up like, yo, like you see, um, like you saw that uh, the Cowboys drafted Jalen Brooks, you know, it was really cool having classes with him in uh, high school and, you know, just um, being able to get to know him. So I'm really hoping that he, um, is able to have a great preseason game and kind of solidify himself as that sixth receiver. I, I just recently came out with an article predicting that he will be the sixth receiver that makes the roster. I think uh, Simi ends up getting the boot, unfortunately. I think he's a great guy, and I know that he's a friend of this show. You know, I, But um, but at the end of the day, I think that Jalen is going to be the one who uh, ends up beating him out for that roster spot. So I think he adds on to a great training camp performance, and I think that he scores two touchdowns. That's my bold prediction of the first preseason game. Chris, I just got to jump in really quick because obviously I got to – before we put a bow on this, got to tie one more Syracuse connection in there. Oh, my yeah, he God. Went, he, went, he went to high school with uh, Garrett <laughs> Williams as well. So Chris, did, Chris yes. knows both those dudes. So a lot of great connections there. So I couldn't leave it I – yes. I couldn't leave that on the table without letting – you know, making sure we – 
We tied it back to Syracuse a little bit. You know, people come here for the Taylor Swift talks, but they stay for the Syracuse talk. I guess that's really what we're transitioning to. Uh, I guess for me, I have to do the homage to the Brandons. Let's see a little Brandon Aubrey action. You know, let's get a little positivity out there uh, and, and kind of put the kicker conversation to rest. I think we would all welcome that and, and agree that that would be fantastic if he could go maybe five for five. Uh, listen, you miss an extra point. I'm sure the narrative with Brett Maher will come back up again, but, you know, go for five five for five on your field goal kicks. I think that'd be pretty impressive. And then Jerry Jones said that he he's excited to see Brandon cooks. Maybe we see a little first team action, maybe not, not so much Dak Prescott, but if you can get maybe two drives of Brandon cooks, just running routes, testing the speed out. I think it'll be great for the Cowboys because Jacksonville is not Arizona. You know, it's not the Arizona Cardinals where they're a team really in transition and they don't really have great depth on their team. I think that Jacksonville will be a competitive team to really see what the Cowboys have and can kind of, you know, maybe enact a little revenge on what happened last year at Jacksonville. It's at Cowboys this time, so it's not a regular season game. doesn't really matter, but I think that maybe you'll see a little bit of a chip on the shoulder of, of some Cowboys players that were at that game last year uh, to kind of take that next step and, and kind of solidify the roster spot for me. You mentioned Chris, uh, you know, Jalen Brooks. That was a name that I brought up. But I also want to see Cooper Rush kind of keep just going with the second quarterback conversation. You know, he proved a lot last year. We're going to see a lot of snaps between him and Will Greer. So I just want to see him just, you know, keep – he's been a preseason darling in the past. I just want to see him kind of keep going forward with that. And, of course, if he can kind of solidify a new connection with somebody. You know, Jalen Brooks is, is certainly in the conversation now that Noah Brown is gone. I think that we could see a connection like that develop, and I think it'll be pretty interesting. So uh, we'll go back around. Chris, plug your social media. Then we go to Brandon and then close out with Howman. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, so you can find me at Chris Halling underscore on Twitter. And if you uh, really want to see a lot of content from me as well, you can follow me at Dallas Cowboy Squad on Instagram. That's where I'm more active. And, you know, if you're one of these people that's not loving the whole uh, Twitter transition to X, and you can follow me on threads as well if we're still doing that. It's uh, it's uh, at Dallas Cowboy Squad on there as well. So, yeah, so you can find me anywhere. Yeah, I'm still getting used to the Twitter X. Every time I think of X, I think of all my axes live in Texas by uh, the King George Strait. So, but you can find me on the on the Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. You can find me there at Icebreaker21. And as I always say every week, as the season starts progressing, you'll start seeing more from me. And and uh, you know, stay tuned and, and stay tuned to all these dudes. All these dudes here, they they put out a lot of great content and a lot of great, uh, a lot of great stuff that uh, comes out on social media. So make sure you follow everybody on this show. Cause they're all awesome. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at underscore DH four, four underscore. Um, and I am also on threads. I don't, I also don't know if we're still doing that, but I'm still doing it. I'm still on threads. Um, and I, I'm loving it. If that's at David Howman, uh, just all, all one, no dots, no underscores, just made it real simple and easy to remember. I, I think you're on threads for the simple fact that you get to put your full name in the Twitter handle uh, or the, the whatever <laughs> handle it is. Uh, unfortunately, I am not on threads. I never jumped on the train, and I feel like that I don't have to worry about jumping off because it seems like it's uh, – no longer a thing, but that's okay. It, it's still something where, you know, people want to free roam and, and post whatever they want. That's totally fine. But you can follow me on Twitter or X at at Brandon is right. That is W-R-I-T-E. So for Brandon Clements, David Howman, and Chris Howling, I am Brandon Laurie. Thanks so much for joining us on the latest edition of the Writer's Block. We will talk to you guys after the first preseason game at home against Jacksonville here on the Writer's Block. And as always, go Cowboys. 